All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night with um, with breaking news. Uh, this is from Fox News website because it's the first thing that came up. U.S. launches airstrike against Iranian-backed forces in Syria. The strike was intended to halt and deter future rocket attacks by Iranian-backed militia. This is by Caitlin McFall. Jennifer Griffin says... Um, the U.S. military carried out an airstrike against an Iranian-backed militia stronghold in Syria Thursday. A senior U.S. official told Fox News multiple facilities were struck in the air attack, which was sanctioned by President Biden. The senior official said the strike was a defensive strategy intended to halt and deter future rocket attacks by the militia group that recently hit Baghdad. Um, please check back on this developing story. This really just broke a little bit before we came on the air, I saw it. Um, I don't know if anyone else has seen anything else, but uh, that's the news that kind of just broke before we came on air. So airstrikes in Syria, uh, once again. So uh, we will follow that throughout the two hours and see if anything else develops. Well, tension had been building up there for a while. On January 18th, Israel had been bombing Syria as well, and the U.S. had backed them with, a, with air support while Israel was bombing there, too. So uh, Israeli warplanes, I believe, carried out like um, you know all kinds of strikes. I think they had over, over 50 fighters blasting back then, and so it's obviously an ongoing thing. So Right, and people are already running, and I get it. Biden's bombing people on his 36th day in office. Normalcy is back to the war machine, and certainly— uh, I understand why people jump to that. I, I'd like to understand a little bit more about was there some immediate, you know, what? obviously well, I just read you what the report said, but um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just, we'll follow it and keep up uh, with that story. But that is the news as of right now. So uh, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday, a couple minutes past the hour. Paul Nolan's going to have some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati is going to have sports uh, lots to talk about. Did you guys know, I want to start here. Well, besides that news, which obviously we just found out about, but, uh, this is where I was going to start. D are you guys aware that, um, the former president, not Trump before him, Ob Obama and Bruce Springsteen are doing a podcast. Are you aware of that? Paul Nolan? Yes, I have heard about it and I heard it was an absolute farce. Okay. Uh, Rick Delgado, <laughs> were you aware of that? Yes, I've been aware of that. Really? Okay, yeah. Rick Emirati, were you aware of it? I was not. Okay, I was not either for some reason. I guess I live in the same cave you do. I was not aware of it. Um, I heard some of it today. Why is it, this is uh, just a question. Why is it that the people who have benefited most from this country are always the leading voices, and the first to trash the country. I listened to about three or four minutes of Springsteen and Obama talking, and you would think, now here's Obama worth $100 plus million plus First African-American elected president twice in this country. Bruce Springsteen, Obviously, extremely successful. Untold millions, singing about born in the USA and all. Yeah, okay. Sure. Correct. You would think these guys were talking about 
Um, Pol Pot's China? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> you would think that that's what they were talking about. The way they trash the country. Obama now tells us that reparations are um, in order. Now, he was the president for eight years. Tens of millions of white people in this country voted for him to be president twice. He had eight years to talk about this. He had a Democratic Senate and House at, at one point. I don't remember him ever bringing this up. And, and Bruce Springsteen asked, well, he kind of Joe Biden. Bruce Springsteen is kind of the younger Joe Biden. I mean, it's hard to even understand him. He like talks and. Isn't this the guy who was uh, arrested for reckless driving and, and could have killed someone, rape, wasted? Yes. Election, uh, yeah, uh, he, he's the guy we want to listen to. Yes, he can barely. I mean, he, the way he talks is to, uh, in, this, in this podcast, is, it's hard to listen to. But what he says is even harder to listen to. But Obama says the reparations is something we need to think about. Uh, he talks as if the country didn't go through uh, a civil war, that the, the country didn't have, um, has made no has made no progress when it comes to to race to civil rights like none of it it's almost like none of it happened he says reparations are now um should be on the table and the only reason he didn't uh ever talk about it or address it or think about putting it on the table was and i'm quoting him here now because he says uh because of white resistance and white resentment oh is what he is what he says to bruce springsteen Mm. I knew it was your fault, Delgado. I know, right? Me and all those uh, Coca-Cola polar bears holding them back. (laughs) The politics of white resistance and white resentment, he says. It was a, um, he saw it as a non-starter. Yeah, it was that that same enthusiasm for white resistance and and such that got him elected twice. Yeah. By tens of millions of, I I mean, I, I, I I don't even know. I don't know how you listen to it. Uh, to be quite honest, I just don't know how you listen to it. These guys talk about this country. They're, they have succeeded and, and benefited the most from it. They trash capitalism unless it's on their benefit. They trash liberty, individualism, unless it's there for their benefit. They trash the country. They've benefited the most from it. Um... And you you wonder, this party makes, as we're seeing right now, immigration and how we treat immigrants and how they want to let everybody in. Why do these people all want to come to such a place, you have to wonder? Why do we have young men and women of all colors, creeds, religions, a rainbow coalition of people, as I always call it, who go out to fight for this why do they do that when you listen to these two this is such a horrific place you wonder why anyone would join the military to go fight for her when you listen to the former president and this imbecile singer talk about it so flippantly so recklessly I mean, I, I couldn't stomach more than five, six minutes that I, t- that I, that I heard. I can't believe you last that long. Yeah. But, but you know what's interesting, though, is that 
that little piece that you heard will probably be all over the news, and that's what, what everybody will talk about, because most people won't listen to it. Most people won't download it to check it out because I want to hear what Obama's. Nobody really liked Obama by the time he left. They, he'd kind of worn out his welcome, well, if you remember. Let me tell you, that that 12 election was pretty shady, too. I yeah. mean, his yeah. poll numbers were atrocious, and they were abominable until the, you know, they killed uh, you know, bin Laden again. Right. But, but if you look around to any time he stepped out for a candidate, thinking he could be the kingmaker, oh, I'm going to get you elected, that candidate failed. He was not the he was not the golden child as Trump was in terms of getting people elected simply by his endorsement and getting people out there. So, you know, I think you got to take a step back on. Well, OK, so this guy hates the country. Big whoopee. You know, they all do. They got to be in that cool kid club. But, oh, man, we're too cool for the school, man. You, we hate everything. We're, we're like 60s radicals, dude. Um, that's all they that's all they're trying to do because they're basically irrelevant. Nobody really, really goes. The black community does not go to Obama and go, "Ooh, what's what's he thinking? Because. I think they know that eh, he's not really he's not really uh, clued into what's going down in the community, if you know what I mean. As for Springsteen, you said it best. I I can't even understand what the guy is saying. So, and most people probably dislike the guy at this point after the uh, Jeep commercial and the drunk driving. Right? Like, do you really think the black community is like, hey, that Barry Springsfield guy was with Obama? They don't care what he says or who he is. He's useless. Can't wait to download it. I don't. I don't know that I don't. I don't know that I agree with you on the Obama's relevance to the to into the society still because I think what you're seeing more and more is the continuance of his ideology in some of what we're seeing just now through Joe Biden. Joe Biden wants to out um, out progressive Obama or whatever you want to call it, but a lot of a lot of what made Obama so dangerous in his eight years traveling around the world, you're, you're just seeing the, an extension of that and an amplification of that, in my estimation, right now in the Democratic Party, in its leadership, certainly in our current president and vice president. And when he, whenever he decides to exit stage left and she takes over, it's only going to get worse. Right. But, but I'm saying, I'm talking about the, on the ground level, you know, normal people, not the, the leadership. Those, those are the, uh, you call them, the, I guess they'd be the one percenters, you know, the ones that are very active, the loud mouths, the, the, the you know, uh, Democrat leaders, the leftists, the liberals, the wackadoodles who are out there yelling and screaming. Those are the ones you hear about. But again, you know, as those videos, I forget the guy's name, Ari, Ari, Army or Army? Whoever you talk, Emmy Horowitz. That, that's the guy. When he went to uh, when he went into Harlem and talked about the crime and the police, that's they weren't talking about. Well, you know, Obama said this. They were like, no, we need police. Right, but when he went to Yale, more importantly, <laughs> every institution and in college and university in this country, they're they're. They look at Obama like uh, godlike, and everything they push in the classroom is is everything that he wants them to push. It's his agenda. Yeah. Is it his agenda, though? 
Don't you think it's a bigger group has more power than we're giving credit to? You really yeah, think that a guy a like, about, you know, come on, let's be honest. You think George Bush Jr. wasn't a puppet to what Cheney and Wolfowitz and, and the entire neocon gang told him to say, do, and, and, and act? And it's the same thing. Obama you know, did the exact same. He ran the neocon playbook and with a touch of communism. You know, the communist parties grew immensely under Obama and it's all part of the whole the whole global agenda the globalism comes from the UN it comes from the Rockefeller Foundation it comes from you know the Club of Rome and the Vatican it comes from these high power structures that have been there forever it's the same thing like these this globalism comes way past our elected officials and I just think the agenda comes from a corporation a big giant corporate monster that goes way beyond anything a president or elected official in this country can can even fathom being able to decide. I don't think Obama's making a decision for himself whatsoever. I don't think he makes one decision. I don't think he has a say in any one thing. I think he is pure puppet, pitch man, Billy Mays, selling you a sham wow. It's his job to pitch it to the people, and it's up to the news media to spin it, circulate it, pump it, dump it, brainwash you into believing the BS that, that they have a plan for us to all be a better world, one collective world. I think it's a big, giant shell game. There I go. From Studio Six B, seventeen past the hour, we are um, we are more than aware of the issues tonight on Pluto TV. Those of you, um, if you can hear this and you're watching, I would encourage you to go over to the America's Voice app or go over on your Roku. You can go to the Roku channel. That's what it's called, the Roku channel, and on that is America's Voice. Um, and we've checked there, and that seems fine as well. It does seem that only Pluto TV is having issues with the feed tonight. So I would encourage you to go over to the America's Voice app on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. And if you want to watch it on the big screen, go over to the Roku channel, which is also available on Roku. I think most of the time it loads uh, on your Roku as a... Um, one of the default apps when you buy your Roku, I think the Roku channel is probably defaulted there. So if you can find that, go to, go to the America's Voice um, news channel on the Roku app, and that, that's playing fine. So, all right, 17, 18 now past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Lots of news. Um, and, of course, we started the show with the news of these strikes in Syria, which we will continue to... Um, to follow, I don't see anything else in front of me other than the fact that they happened. Um, you want to do some news? Let's do some news here, uh, Mr. Nolan. What, um, boy, John Solomon broke a broke a huge piece, a huge piece this morning, uh, which I'll get to here later in the show. Once secret FBI informant reports 
reveal wider-ranging operation to spy on the Trump campaign. The goal was to find, quote, anyone inside the GOP campaign tied to Russia who could be, uh, who could be get dirt damaging, that doesn't make sense, to Clinton, newly declassified memos reveal. Well, maybe I read that wrong. Um, so I'll get to that in a little bit, but let's do some news with uh, with Paul Nolan. What's going on? So there's some interesting news on Capitol Hill today. Dr. Rachel Levine evaded questions from Senator Rand Paul on Thursday regarding Levine's support of giving children puberty blockers and sex change surgeries. Can we hold that to the next segment? We because, certainly can uh, because I that story show, stinks. I want to show Rand Paul in this v- extremely important exchange that um, maybe only Rand Paul had the actual guts to do. I don't know what any other... Maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. It's unbelievable. The emperor's new clothes is the world we're in right now. Okay, so yeah. Mitch McConnell sees favorability drop after break with Trump. Trails fall <laughs> oh, behind Schumer and so excited. I mean, this, it, oh, this... I mean, this story gets me so excited. It gets me hot. Here we go. Senator Minority Leader laced into the former president on the Senate floor following the impeachment trial vote. And uh, his uh, McConnell has seen his unfavorable ratings skyrocket in recent weeks following this public break from President Trump. All right. The uh, Just the News daily poll numbers put McConnell's current favorability at 21 (laughs) percent that number puts him below senate majority leader chuck schumer's 28 percent sure and uh kevin mccarthy at 25 (laughs) so unfavorable unfavorable gap between these politicians is even starker with 62 percent of voters viewing mcconnell negatively while 44 percent felt that way about schumer and 36 felt that way about mccarthy yeah so uh, the national polls uh from over the last several months have shown a decrease in mcconnell's favorability amongst americans at the time of the 2020 presidential election uh the economist yougov uh, poll showed but a 32 percent approval rating wow. which is just abysmal he was rocking um, and that same group ha- now has them with a 17% approval rate. So uh, it's nice to see that uh, these low-life rhinos, the lice of society who have been sucking the blood out of us, the host, um, getting some comeuppance here. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about the Republican Party so far in these six weeks of the Biden administration, what can you point to? Rand Paul today was impressive. Mm-hmm. First time, I, I can say... I mean, what have they done other than just rubber stamp everybody? What have they done? I mean, Merrick Garland, I mean, makes Eric Holder look conservative. There's Mitch McConnell. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to support him. I'm going to support him. He's good. I mean, what have they done? Who have they opposed? They're a tandem. And, and half of that is because uh, Democrats opposed her. Right. But they've done nothing. Has Kamala Harris had to break any 50-50 ties yet? Of course not. Of course not. Because Republicans don't know how to fight for the most part. They just don't know how to fight. They just don't know how to fight. So it's, it's just... So good. I'm glad their favorability ratings... Are, they, Mitch McConnell should be polling at skim milk. That's where he should be. Yeah, no doubt. And there's a lot of other ones too. I don't know what's up with McCarthy. I, I don't know. I mean, the other day he gave that he gave the quick response about Trump speaking. Said yes, he should. And then the um, Mitt Romney in an address said, you know, they, of course that's who they really wanted to get to, Liz Cheney. 
I see. You were telling me about the, it ended up, so it was Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Green who put yeah, that yeah, sign yeah. Ups up. Yeah, yeah, Please tell me you have the video. No, I don't have the video, but I looked, I saw the story. I saw that was her. She put the sign. I see Adam Kinzinger today apologizing to the, to the Democrats saying that this is um, some unspeakable um, thing that she did and how she needs to apologize for saying that um, there are two genders. There's men and there's women. Well, Adam Kinzinger Adam Kingzinger's not okay with that. Yeah, I guess. it's apo- apologize for it because it's so condescending to explain the over obvious. Yeah, I mean, is that what we're doing here? Well, I mean, it's just science, you know. Follow that kind of kind of makes that determination. Let's face it: when when we're all dead and gone, and they dig us up in two thousand years, they'll separate us out by okay, this one was a female, this one was a male. That's it. Can you uh, tell me a little about your chromosomes there? Whatever just happens, if you have a wing, you go with the wings. If you've got a wing, you go with the wing. Well, what happened to that? I mean, life was so easy, right? A wing. Well, yeah. Are you talking chicken? You I got to be honest with you. I was such a rotten kid in school. I would totally be like, yo, teach, I identify as a girl. And I'd be in the girls' locker room all day long in high school. I just, I would just keep, I would just, I would milk that one. Well, if you were that age today, you could get a, you could do it because, um, well, this exchange by Rand Paul, we'll just have to see. I mean, in, but this is my point. What, what, other than Rand Paul, who has put up any, the, the radical nominations that we've seen from this, from Biden, who's, who's of course complaining about the, the, the speed of his cabinet officials, which is just laughable. But you look at the Becerra from California, this guy, oh, Garland. Lunatic. Um, Levine today, this exchange, I mean, <laughs> hey, at least we have a couple of Republicans standing up. You want to just get to well, real who? Quick? Well, I mean, what's in, um, well, the one we're talking about now, cause I can't remember any, but, uh, how about Kathy Morris Rogers, uh, on Wednesday, she put uh pressure for, you know, she, uh, pressured the democratic lawmakers on, on cable providers to drop right-leaning news, right? She said it's deeply troubling that, and asked if MSNBC should be carried after years of publishing the false Russia collusion narrative. We need more people just flip the script. Yeah, use use their own tactics and use their rules against them. See how they like it. She's, uh, you know, she's the ranking member of the Subcommittee on Communications and Technology of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Boy, talk about another mouthful of bureaucratic blather that is uh she blasted committee's leadership for holding a virtual hearing titled fanning the flames disinformation and extremism in the media and uh you know she stood up and said it's you know the democratic parties is the threat to this country with their nonstop lies about the russia collusion so good we got to have more of that just have we got to fight fire with fire the democratic party is trying to steal the damn country let's 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 call it what it is
All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Paul's here with news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have sports coming up. Um, lots to get to. I want to spend some more time. There's an article in The Blaze about some of the alarming items that are in this $1.9 uh, trillion. Of course, it has to have a T on it or it's not even real business anymore. Surprised they don't round it up to a cool $2 trillion. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. really does sound cooler, right? If you're going to... Um, it sounds like less. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Do you understand, <laughs> when I say that rhetorically, I know most of you do, do you understand the debt is so massive at this point, unfunded liabilities, so massive at this point, I don't know how, and again, certainly no economist, I don't understand this as well as, well, no, everybody understands it better than I do, but on a most basic <laughs> level... And I talk to, I'm the voice of the people who who operate where I operate, most of them, although most smarter, but um, I don't know how we ever get it back under control. And I I don't hear anybody. The great reset, kid. Talking about it. I don't hear Ted Cruz talking about it. I don't hear Mike Lee talking about it. I don't hear Josh Hawley talking about it. I hear Thomas Massey talking about it. I used to hear I used to hear um, one of my favorite congressmen who's who's been on the show now over at Liberty University, uh, Dave Bratt. I heard Dave Bratt talk about it all the time. My man Ron Paul always talked about it. Correct. But you, it's just not on the forefront of anyone's discussions anymore. The consequences of what we're doing right now are going to result in, I don't even know how to say it, other than the massive inflation that when the, bottle, when the top comes off the bottle, it's going to be impossible to put back in. And, and can you imagine what that does and how that affects your life? Especially in the life that we're all leading now. If it, I mean... I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's just coming around the corner because the Fed will make sure of that. But at some point, think about what that means to your. What that kind of inflation is going to mean in your life. The debt is so massive, one point nine trillion. It just rolls off the tongue now like it's nothing. I joke about it. If it has, if it has a, if it has a B in front of it, it's not even a real bill. It's not even a real bill. We've already talked about what's happening at the pump. A lot of you are seeing it already. A lot of you are seeing it already. What's gas up to? Almost $3 again. If you're putting in 87 in your Chevy pickup like I am, you're lucky to get away with about 250 240 but if you're driving that uh, S550 Mercedes Benz, you're putting in you uh, like Obama and Springsteen. Uh, yeah. You're putting super in at about three bucks and ten cents. Yeah, and getting eleven miles to the gallon. If well, that, if you're driving a 2005 Suburban like I do, yes. So <laughs> think about what Biden's doing in the energy sector. Prices are going to go through the roof. 
Supplies are going to be hard to find. I mean. Hey, let, let me ask you this. Um, how much of this do you think is by design? All of it. Well, do you want to expand on that, Paul? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to jump in there. Yeah, I just think it's all by design. I think they know they can't. I think they're going to keep pumping liquidity. I think they're going to do everything in their power just to, you know, drag well, this system actually, on as long as possible. So defi- what are you saying, Rick? Is what by design? So before is, is Paul this, answers. Is this whole... The debt? The energy? The whole, what are we talking let's about? Let's just keep printing and printing and printing. Okay, so is, the this, debt. is this by design to get us to a certain point? I just think they know that they can't. For my, my opinion is this, that... They knew back when, in 1913, when they brought the Federal Reserve in, they knew the fiat money. They knew that there was no way it could sustain itself without an income tax. And they knew that the fiat money would last a certain amount of time. It usually lasts about throughout history about 50 years. 71, we unhinge from the gold, and we go to the petrodollar 50 years ago. It's on the verge of another collapse. A new change will come. They'll introduce this new system, and this new system will be the way that we'll all be happy, safe, and healthy, and it'll just give the central bankers more control, and it'll be a new way for them to dominate you know, the the masses. And in the meantime, we'll all be arguing right versus left and red versus blue and my team's better than your team and more vanilla, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I do believe they're going to pump as much liquidity in as they can to keep their Ponzi scheme going for as long as possible until everything bottoms out and the oligarchs have completely protected themselves with gold and assets and land and silver and every one of the tangible assets that have worked forever. And then all of us morons will all be clamoring for, you know, on food lines with wheelbarrows full of money to get a loaf of bread because money will have zero value yeah i mean we've i mean i don't want to it's not a financial show i'm not a fine we're not financial advisors we don't give financial advice but um but history's shown that's what it's happened everywhere over and over and over so kind of it's gonna happen again yeah when we've talked about the the u.s dollar on this show multiple times happens to be up today because of course 10-year treasury yields are are way up. Um, so the dollar rallied today, but still, I, I don't know what it closed at. I don't have it in front of me. I usually do. But we printed, as I've told you, more fiat money in the last year than we have in the history of all money printed. And that's going to continue. So these companies that have cash in the bank, they know it's a depreciating asset. Where are they putting it, D? Well, they're trying to find an appreciating asset. Where, where are most of these, where are these big corporations starting to dump their money now? Well, you're seeing a few uh, go into crypto, go into Bitcoin. That's why it's fifty, forty-six, fifty, th- ranging in that forty-six to fifty-six thousand dollar range. What's why you're seeing MicroStrategies, a software development company. A lot of people don't even know what MicroStrategies does. A software development company has got about 90% of their cash on their balance sheet now in Bitcoin. Tesla wow. has $1.5 billion of their cash, which is really nothing for them. It's very small, 2% um, of cash into Bitcoin. you seeing um, the mayor of Miami, Suar- Francis Suarez, is looking to put Bitcoin in, which, in what, sheet. by the way, is a great move. Uh, on the balance sheet, pay the employees of it. Why, why is he doing that? Because he knows that th- this, handing this back and forth has limited time left. And you're also seeing companies like Apple 
and um, companies like that moving towards this direction along with uh, some of the credit cards because they know it's coming down the pike. We're going to look back in a couple generations and they're going to be like, you did what? You had do- you, you gave dollar bills back and forth? What? <laughs> that, that's disgusting. You touched that stuff? Because and, it's then all- be, and then the old time will be like, it was terrific. We could bottle <laughs> without the government taking a piece of everything. We had privacy then. What's privacy, Grandpapa? <laughs> <laughs> Can I have some more, please? <laughs> we had privacy. <laughs> oh, privacy. And now we have porridge. Have more porridge, sir. Yeah, we'll all be slaves soon. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Um, so $1.9 trillion. And as I've told you, and it's just my lame guess, that at some point in this administration, we're going to see a three to four. That's not much of a stretch. It's not like I'm going on a big <laughs> wire here. It's a trillion more than where we're at now. Whoa. You're going to see a three or four trillion dollar spending package put up. And, the, and, and as they always do, they will put it up in the name of you, yeah, the American right. people, because they supposedly care about you. It'll all be in the name of empathy. It'll be all in the name of selling nice. you a better future. Yeah, the Save America Act. It'll you know, save us. Maybe they should just give us all reparations. Next time they do the stimulus round, just call it reparations for all of us. Hey, you know what? We, I wish you would have done that. That time I sent you the video showing the difference between $100, a yes. million, dollars, a billion, and a trillion. Stacked and, and up. Yeah, what the, it looks like. I just, I wish, I'm going to send you that again. I'm hoping we could show the people, you know, watch this show that the difference, the massive difference between a billion and a trillion. And they, um, again, do it all in the name of you when all they ever want to do is just empower the base. And they don't, and, and what's amazing is they don't really give a damn about the base. They just need to empower the base so they can keep their power. Right. They need to sell you a better future and trash the here and now so that you continue to need to be... Re- you never hear any talk about in the individual. You never hear any talk, barely from both sides, about individual sovereignty, about individual liberty, about making your own decisions, about taking personal responsibility. They have no res- personal responsibility for this money. They spend it like it's not theirs, because it's not. They just print <laughs> it and spend it. It's your grandkids, their grandkids, and their grandkids. That are gonna, it's their money. Yeah, and it, it's what's some of the stuff in this article, we haven't even gotten to the article yet, but I mean, some of the stuff that's in this bill that's in the name of priorities is just repulsive. It's repulsive. What, what is it about? What they estimate about 9% of the stimulus bill will actually go back to the people that actually need it. And the rest is going out to all their pet projects, which, uh, you know, as we know, gets laundered right back to them. Oh, (laughs) yeah, we're going to send it over to here. We want to help Uganda pay for abortions. Well, that's that's a priority. Uh, And of course, the Uganda guy is going to take it, put it in his pocket. And then, uh, oh, that's right. I got to I got to make sure that the 
guy who sent it to me get to taste. So let's ship some back to the U.S. And it ends up in the Democratic coffers. That's, that's, that's how that works. Do you have the list of the nonsense that's that the, all the pork that's in this package, it's like the transgender studies in Pakistan? I have some of them. Now, the federal minimum wage, I believe there was breaking news tonight that that got shot out. The parliamentarian vote, I believe, um, in what some are calling a little bit of a blow to this and to the Democrats, I believe the minimum wage hike, someone wants to look that up. I don't have it right at my fingertips here, but I believe that got knocked out. So going back to this article, a couple of the things, uh, they do talk about the federal minimum wage increase, which I now think is out. Uh, animal COVID studies is $300 million, uh, of our taxpayer dollars for the agricultural department to um, conduct monitoring and surveillance of susceptible animals for incidences of uh, SARS-CoV-2 as guided by the WHO. So that, that seems like it's well spent. Yeah. Because you know somebody in the Harris or Biden family probably has a family member that just created a company that's perfect for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. like, oh my God, um, we, we don't have any clients or employees, but yeah, give us give <laughs> us $200 million. We're ready to go. Yeah, that's confirmed, Big D. Minimum wage is out. That got nixed. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll get back. We'll get to this after sports in an hour or two. Lots to do. Paul. You gotta do the ramp poll. We'll get the ramp poll, yes. And we'll get to uh, Crazy Town in the press briefing room. B. I saw a great quote here from Matt Gates. He says, you look at the number of Democrats who are now concerned about giving Joe Biden the nuclear codes. I'd be concerned about giving Joe Biden the code to my garage door opener. <laughs> <laughs> well, rob the thing clear, too. I mean, if you can figure it out. Oh, we talked God. about it last night. We said, I don't know if we said it on the air or between commercials. Like, if that guy, if Joe Biden, if you're in a, you know, going somewhere and he's got the keys to the car and he's driving, would you get in the car? Hell no. No, no, there's way. no way I would get in the passenger seat of that car. You could see it. Hey, Matt, there's a guy at your garage door and he keeps punching the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps hitting one, 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 one. <laughs> All right, let's do some sports and hear what that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, NCAA Men's Division One. Here we go. Uh, Michigan looking good. Number three, Michigan is beating Iowa, who's number nine, 64 48. That's late in the second half. And right now, Detroit is beating Robert Morris, 79 to 69. That's also in the second. second that's because is- Iowa was defense, by the way, that me and Paul talked about on radio today, is atrocious. Yeah. Oh, God, they're <laughs> awful. <laughs> they get smoked right now. And Michigan's looking good. Um, and Illinois right now is up uh, 67 to 53, trying to bounce back from their loss the other night. Illinois is currently ranked number five. Uh, number 12, Houston leading Western Kentucky 71 to 50. 
Number one, Gonzaga, still looking strong. 78-66 over Santa Clara. You know, they're feasting on those West Coast uh, college teams, taking good care of them. And right now, Green Bay over Fort Wayne, 28-24. Wait till they step up in class. Yeah, we'll see. I like, I like to see when they play Baylor. That should be some game. All right, Slick Rick, let me ask you a question I asked Paul earlier today on radio. Um, there is a bet, a prop bet out there that you can take that says I'll you take Baylor and Gonzaga, either one of them will win the national championship. Because the argument's been all year that obviously they're number one, number two, and it's a big drop off to number three. So there's a prop bet out in Vegas that says we'll give you the top two teams for plus 120 uh, to win the tournament. And then that way some guys will just play that thinking, okay, I'll take those two. So my question to you is, is that a good or bad bet? It's a bad bet. Really? I, I don't like it. Why? I, I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't think that either one of those teams are going to be the team. I watch Ohio State. There's a couple of teams that are coming up. They're going to make an upset. Oh, oh. you must have. Been, did you listen to us on air today? Because Paul Nolan made the exact same argument. You know, really? I do eavesdrop on your show as I'm doing my production. <laughs> I did not hear that particular segment. All I heard was precipitous. That's the only word I heard. I was laughing about that. <laughs> well, we were singing "My Prerogative" by yeah. Bobby Brown. So you heard us say, <laughs> we heard us saying "prerogative." And, and, and Paul, Paul, with that MB, with that basketball, you know. He's working the glass. I love that. So Paul knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul made the same argument. He told me, he said, no, I don't like it. Yeah. He that said, Ohio no. State-Michigan game last weekend was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Those two teams can bang. And they, I, I'd be – you know, I'm just – I wish they had a conference, to, you know, tournament rounds. Like, I hate that they're cutting that out. Yeah. I like the lead-up, you know, the, all yeah. that, all the yep. drama that leads up to it. I, but, I, I like OSU, though. I'm, I'm with you, Paul. We'll see. Well, we're going to be we got to have a bracket for that big D on the yeah. show. I think that would be wild. And especially the Big Ten. they got so many good teams. Yeah, they do. They they, play and it. they're just yeah. killing each other. Exactly. But that's good prep for, this, for yeah, the exactly. uh, for the They'll Washington be battle-tested. And uh, NHL action, real quick, big D. Second period, Hurricanes and Lightning, 1-1. Uh, end of the second period, Islanders and Bruins in a good one there, 2-2. And uh, uh, second period, Senators over the Flames, 4-1. Black Hawks and Blue Jackets tied at zero in the second, and these are all in the second. Devils and Sabres 1-1. Stars uh, won nothing over the Panthers. Capitals leave the Penguins 1-0. Red Wings and Predators nodded at one, and Jets and Canadians 1-0. Jets winning that game right now. And then we go to the NBA real quick. Philadelphia 76 is 59-43 to over the Dallas Mavericks. That's at the half. Joel Embiid leads all scorers with 16 points, to no one's surprise. Knicks are leading 61-50 to in the second over the Kings. We got the Nets, who are really looking good over the Magic. 58-45, that's in the second. And uh, right now the Clippers over the Grizzlies, 20-16. to Is the NBA trade, de- uh, trade deadline gone? The NBA trade line is not the, no no it's the end of this month it's an it's the very beginning of March it's not over yet no so Kyle Lowry obviously did not they didn't Sixers did not trade for him no as no. of yet no I would have got my phone would have got blown up if, I, if that happened okay I'd know that um, and uh, but no the trade line is coming up shortly it's usually right after the All Star game it, uh, the All Star game hasn't taken place that's next weekend uh, round one in progress Big D back to tennis World Golf Championship Workday Championship. The concession tournament, which was moved from Mexico to Bradenton, Bradenton, Florida, $10.5 million cap. And there he is, Webb Simpson, number one after day one. He shot a six under for a 66, and he's tied with Matthew Fitzpatrick. But as I always warn you, the guy that's number one on day one usually is lucky if he's in the top five come day four. So mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and let's go to the rodeo. March loves 25th, the by the way, Rick, is the trade, de- uh, trade deadline. March 25th. March 25th. All right, yeah. so we got a month. By the uh, way, 
not to keep interrupting you, but I have so much sports that I, I saw today. Is there a chance that the Seattle Seahawks are going to trade Russell Wilson? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't so, think so. Yeah, but he's not happy. He's I, not happy, st- right? Something's wrong there with Pete Carroll. I don't know. He wants more say. Obviously, he wants more say on the team. Wants more say about who they pick and what they're doing. And I don't know. He may be overstepping his bounds a little bit there. Yeah, he did say something to the effect of, I'm tired of getting taken such a beating. Yeah. And he did retract a little bit the tweet that he, you know, said he was open to a trade. He's, he he kind of backtracked a little. If they wanted to trade me, I would be willing to go to the Raiders, yep. the uh, Vegas. Um, he, I think he's coming here. The Jets? Wait, yep. Studio 6B? <laughs> the Jets. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jets. Yeah. Jets. Yeah. I That's think he so likes funny. Salah a lot. No a way. lot. Oh, no maybe. Way. You could. No I mean, way. Okay, no. okay fine. Maybe. Call me. Maybe. He said four teams. He, yeah. said, he said the four teams he would go to, but... Let's be honest. I mean, these players wanting like all this control, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. No. I think he's feeling his oats a little too. Don't forget, he was named NFL Man of the Year this year, and you know maybe he's feeling his oats about that. I just don't mark know. it down, G, on the tape today, whatever the date is. At Sean this time. Watson's coming here. New York. Yeah. It's where he ends up. Well, wouldn't it be great if the Sean Watson got here? That'd be good. Well, we'll see. Um, We'll keep an eye on that one, Big D. So back to the rodeo. This is the longest rodeo in the history of the world, February 12th to the 27th. It just keeps on rolling down in San Antonio, Texas, the Freeman Coliseum. Real quick, barebacks, semifinals in action as the 16-day rodeo winds down. Uh, Bracket five, round one, Zach Hilber, 86 points on Dream Machine. Steer wrestling, bracket five, first round, Stetson Jorgensen, 4.2 seconds. Team Rope in Bracken 4. Second round, Clay Trinan and Jake Long, 4.3 seconds. Saddle Bronc, also Bracket 4. Semi-qualifiers, Logan Hay, Ben Anderson, and Cole Asher, and <laughs> Sterling Crawley. We got a we got a two-way tie there. And let's never forget the barrel racing. My favorite of all is Bracket 5, second round, Paige Jones, 14.77 seconds, which is a good average time there. And tie down roping, last but not least, Kyle Lucas, 7.9 seconds in Bracket 5 second round. Woo! Woo! Yeehaw! 7.9? 7.9. Wow. Not a bad time. Uh, and uh, so I got. I love this story. <laughs> Paul WP- wouldn't know if that was a... Paul wouldn't know <laughs> the horse stepped on him if that was a good time. <laughs> Paul's just horsing no around. Idea. Yeah. Just say, you bet on the over-under on that? <laughs> <laughs> he would just say, that's precipitous. Yeah. <laughs> that's my prerogative. Paul's still looking for Mr. Ed is, is one of the horses. Uh, at WPTV, <laughs> hey, West watch Palm... watch using the uh, Mr. thing, okay? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Zed. No more Mr. Potato Head. Just, you know... Watch I got to get to this story, guys. This is a good one. Listen to this one. Oh, I got this one from one of our good followers, Coach Phil Burnett. He's he, he's always on. He's uh, PV Burnett. He's on Real America's Voice. Love him. He's a very clever guy. And uh, he gave me this story. I would have missed it. Ready for this one? Uh, uh, Pendleton, uh, Caleb Pendleton hit two grand slams in first two plate appearances in, in the NCAA. Boca Raton, two grand slams are better than one. Just ask Florida, Florida Atlantic University freshman Caleb Pendleton, who hit a pair of grand slams in a single inning Saturday night in his first two plate appearances. That is un. Heard of two grand slams, eight ribbies in one inning. One inning, yeah, one I, inning I couldn't believe it. In his debut, one inning, 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 in his debut, yeah. in his debut, first oh. at bat. 
first at bat. He says, he says, he, honestly, he didn't even know he was playing that night. He got the call last minute, and uh, just incredible. Pendle Who was said pitching? That, so Ricky what's his Vaughan? slugging percentage right now? <laughs> Who was pitching? Dr. Ricky Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, unbelievable. Ricky forgive the heater, Ricky. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Stevie Wonder was pitching. The train is crashing. I mean, two <laughs> <laughs> Ball four. Ball eight. Ball 16. Those were some outside. <laughs> At the IHOP. From Studio 6B Hour 2. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick um, Amirati's here with sports. Rick Delgado is here as well. Geo Friend holding it down. Trying to get through, work through some of just the emails that are coming in, which seem to get more and more every night, and we we appreciate them. Try to get to as many of them as we can. Um, most of them talk about Amirati. But tonight, Paul Nolan, everybody is um, everybody's got your back here on your um. Oh, my conspiracy theory well, that no, the bankers no. run the world. No, yeah. you're laying out the um, your take on where we are on the financial uh, meltdown that's um is coming. It's scary. It's scary. Once you realize what the the power of you know, the, those who control the currency control the, you know, the control everything. They control the people. And now if it's digitized, forget about it. I mean, you could actually, I mean, the fact that the bankers, the world bankers can increase, expand the money supply and then contract it at their behest. And they know they're going to do it ahead of time. I mean, it's just so, it's just so dangerous. Paul Nolan has said this to me. How long have I known you? 20 years? Mm. Paul has said this to me at least the last five to seven years, consistently. He even sends me terrible movies to watch, which I never do. <laughs> what are those ones you send me that you keep I think, I think me to watch? Everybody's got to watch The Secret of Oz. There we go. Which the original was called The Money Masters. But The Secret of Oz was by Bill Still, who was supposed to be on the show. That guy, yes. he stood us up, that yes, wacko. So don't watch this movie. No, <laughs> seriously, you got to watch that movie. Don't forget Shadowgate. There's uh, there's another that has nothing to do with the finances. But <laughs> Geo Shadowgate's great though. I mean, there's great evidence in this. Geo, don't get them started on that. Yeah. We're talking about money. Keep it. But just because listen, just because it wasn't on Nickelodeon doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> um, but uh, other monetary movies you, you should watch is like you know the history of money, and then there's Renaissance 2.0, very by Damon Vrabel, phenomenal film. That's got to be good. It's just phenomenal because it shows you how it just shows you how the whole system has been a scam since Jump Street. Listen, if you learn how the systems run, you can play the game. I've always put my pennies next to the billionaire's dollars. You know what the heck? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's that's the the you know that's the tactic of uh, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you know, just just follow what the what the uh, successful guys are doing. 
Yeah, I mean, look, but as soon as Fauci came on TV and said, you know, we have the sol- solution here with Moderna and Remdesivir, like right away, I'm like, Remdesivir, who owns that? Moderna? Okay, <laughs> our stock is $31. They have the the little tiny uh, Pepperidge Farm uh, doctor on Main Street, Fauci, who's been there forever. He knows everybody, knows everything. He's in on the scam. Buy the stock. Clink. It's 175 bucks. Yeah. If you know, if you know who's running the scam, just follow them. Did um did Paul give that tip to you, Emirati? No. Gave it on the air no. here. Okay. Did he give it I to you, Delgado? It. Nope. Hmm. Nope. Me neither. I didn't get that one either. No, G? No? You didn't get it? Fran? No? <laughs> no. All right. I told you three days after I bought it. <laughs> yeah, that would be it the just point. went up to 175 <laughs> yeah. he can't he let you get a better price than him <laughs> yeah. yeah he gave it to me at 173 what'd you get at Paul? Uh, 31 34 34 wow um well no but to be serious paul's he's been right he's been on he's been on it for way ahead of the curve you know i've been called a conspiracy forever curve. though like you know what i mean like when i was talking about you know, when you watch a movie called Freedom to Fascism, phenomenal film, 2006, 2007, the guy who produced the movie um, with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, Trading Places, you know, the guy was a big Hollywood guy. He had a big career, and he went through the whole IRS tax system and, and the scam that the whole IRS tax system is. And he, you know, he was really on it, and he was quoting the Rockefellers and how they talked about it. They wanted to digitize money, and they wanted to, you know, put chip people, and they wanted to control people, and let it's in this movie in 2006, seven, and everyone's like, you're crazy. And I thought he was crazy. But you, you, see, you hear the stories now how they're, they're, they're doing things like that in China now. It's, it's you know, I mean, if you can control the, 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 you know, the people at that level, I mean, you control everything. People, greedy people are sick. Well, yeah, look at, look at Bill Gates. Somehow this guy's the expert on vaccines. And, you know, what was it, that TED Talk about five, seven years ago yeah, where he says, 15. you know, uh, the population is growing a little too much, but I feel like with the with the right you know health care and and vaccines, we can bring that down. Yeah. Wait, what? Isn't yeah. he buying up um, all the land, all the farmland in America? Land. He's the number one farmland owner, and he's the guy who wants us to all eat synthetic meat. And he's also a major stakeholder in Monsanto. He's Monsanto has pummeled the soil here in America. They've pummeled the nutrients out of the soil all over India. You know, it's, you know, it's, look, it's, these people don't know, there's no end to their lust for power and money. No, their, their goal is to have a population of the earth under a billion people. That's their goal. They stated it. It's been stated it's on down. so many different occasions. <laughs> you look, eugenics has been part of the elites programs forever. I mean, they've been writing about it forever. You know, Russell Bertrand wrote about it. I mean, it's been going on forever. Like, it's been, Hundreds and hundreds of years, these people talk about pop- population control. You're in the way. You suck it up oxygen. <laughs> they want to tax you for your thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is. You know, these people are nuts. Boy, you could, use, you could say that, that that statement of you're in the way, you could apply to a lot of things about the Democratic Party these days. That's how they look at us. You're in the way. That's how they look at the Constitution. You're in the way. That's how they look at... The courts, you're in the way. You, it's all in their way to what they want. Yeah, yeah we're breathing their air. And, and that, that popular Donald Trump meme where he said, you know what? They're not really after me. They're after you. He's in the way. He's trying to block them from doing the harm that they want to do.
A uh, couple emails I want to get to. Eric um, Trail says, I really think instead of asking if the former president should have been speaking at CPAC, maybe we should ask if the current president should be speaking at all. At all. <laughs> yeah. So now, is there serious... I mean, I'm so out of the loop. I mean, I'm going to host the show, but... Um, uh, is there talk about him not giving a State of the Union? Is that off the table? Well, it was supposed to happen already. From what I understand, it usually happens. Uh, it right should about happen now, like, doesn't it? Like uh, a day or two ago. And, and there's been like no talk of it. I mean, you brought you, you played the clip of uh, the reporter saying, hey, is Biden even going to do a, a, a press, con- you know, a, a presser himself where he takes questions? Um, but nobody's asking about the State of the Union. Like, w- what's going on there? And why? I'm just looking now to see, um, yeah, like what, what, what is the deal with it? I haven't even, I saw somebody say, um, how could he possibly stand up there for an hour and 40 minutes and without just falling over? And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's a good point. How's he going to do the state of the union? And then I saw someone say, there's going to be no state of the union. He's a puppet. He's a puppet. Yeah. Well, I get that, but I mean, still, not, I mean, he can't do it. He can't do it. He can't get through a seven-minute sound like a little Q and A without saying, "Oh, I'll get in trouble if I talk about that." Right? Who are you going to get in trouble from? Your mom? Who's getting? Who are you going to get in trouble from? Your, your handlers? Come on. Well, I didn't. I, didn't we come up? Didn't we say whenever he says that, it's just you know, waiting for it to try to work? Right. I I think it's just because he knows he he you know he's being told what to say and what to do and. And you know what? I, I think after today and thinking about some things and seeing some more of his speeches and the fact that there's no State of the Union, I'm pulling back my August 1st bet. <laughs> I, think he's go- I think he's gone before June. I, I think that, wow. that, that this could be accelerating. I'm going to stay with on July 4th. He's going to have a firecracker accident. <laughs> oh, please. What, what is he going to eat one? Keep on his eggs? He's going to eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> what is he going to eat one? All right. He's going to look like Elmer Fudd and, uh, you know, he, he was uh, smoking one like a cigar. Uh, what do I got here, G? We got any good clips here? I don't have time for uh, Ray and Paul now, but. Um, Well, let's let's start with 53 because I almost made this a crazy town, but it actually has an important audio uh, part to it. This is Biden at the end of his speech today. What you'll hear uh, is Peter Ducey. The crazy town part of this is, of course, Biden doesn't even realize that he doesn't take his stuff off of the, uh, including his mask, and Kamala Harris has to give him one of the old, uh, hey, Joe, where's your mask? Uh, roll that. Thank you for your time. Mr. President, Mr. President, whatever happened to your promise from seven weeks ago that if Democrats flipped the Senate, the checks were going out the door? Come on, Peter. Thank you. Go, guys. Thank you. Go. Come on, guys. Go. He puts it on his head. This is this is a great. He, he, he walks up there and says, "Welcome, everyone." <laughs> I, I think um, I think my favorite part of that is when he first walks away. He puts his hand out to shake hands with i'm not exactly sure who did he think thought he was close enough to 
to shake hands with. He, he walks like this for like five steps, and then he puts it down. Well, who is that woman? That's, that's their, um, whoever's, in, go back a little bit, G. Right there. Who is no, that? No, no, go back. Oh, that's at, one of the doctors. I don't look know. at the Right there, look, yeah, look. There you go. Yeah. What good, is he doing? Good call, D. What is that? He's, who's he shaking hands with? His imaginary friend. <laughs> Doorknob. And I see Fauci there in the background, of course, smiling and giving the big uh, quack quack. Uh, there he is. Of course, the cameras are on, so Fauci's wearing his mask. As soon as the cameras are off, you know he takes it off. You know what? It's so funny you said that. I found a video of him doing exactly that. Yeah. And I, I, I think I sent we it to you. I'm it. not sure. No, we played it on the show when it happened. That's when he was on the floor in Congress. No, this was, I think, uh, this was like a, a, a quick presser he was doing where he was doing a question, and then, you know, I guess the, the red light went off, so as soon as the, uh, the news hit was done, he just pulls his mask down, and he's just standing there looking around, waiting for the next one. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. We'll have it for tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's the one we played. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know who Joe was thinking he was shaking hands with there. It was just weird. It caught my attention right out of the gate. And then, of course, Kamala Harris has to remind him that his mask. <laughs> he was walking towards the light. And then he walks, <laughs> even the way he walks back to the, I, I don't know. I just, we, we pick every little thing. But he's just, the guy just, I mean, if you walked into a home and you saw him walking down the hall, you just wouldn't. You'd, you'd worry about him. You'd be like, you saw him walking down the hall, you'd be like, Papa, Papa, can I help you to your room, Papa? <laughs> you try to hold his hand and walk him to his, you know. You know, to his to his Jello. Yeah, you just you just be thankful if he had pants on. Dude, this this is so crazy. I I simply can't believe that anybody believes that any of this was on the up and up. I'm just stunned that anybody anybody tells me everything just flipped overnight. I'm just like, grow up, grow up. As far as when it relates about to the what? election. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I don't want to talk about it because I know I don't want to get you in trouble on your show here, but. Get a, give me, give me a, it's, it's, a lands, it's a landslide. We go to sleep. We wake up. Everything's flipped. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Sure. All right, more to do. We'll get to some clips. Get to some more news if we can. Crazy Town coming up. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Rand Paul today in the Senate had a um, quite the exchange with Dr. Rachel Levine, who um, is up for being assistant something. I don't know the title exactly. It doesn't matter. Here was the exchange uh, that Rand Paul had. Roll it, G. Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. 
Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Now listen to this answer. Will you make a more firm yeah. decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field, uh, right. and if confirmed to the position of Assistant thing. Secretary of Health, like I would vote. certainly be pleased to come to your office and wow. talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. 
Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER, but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. Right. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. I can't thank, vote for you if you can't make you a so decision. Thank you so much, Senator Paul. Senator Levine, thank you for uh, answering the question. I will turn to Senator Baldwin. <laughs> answering what question? Yeah. Answering the question? <laughs> Dr. Levine answered nothing. She had a pre-programmed answer that she gave twice, almost word for word. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, see, I wish she had just come back much harder. Just much harder with something short to try to get something else just something else yeah and, and what's amazing is, yeah. is that you know th- this person won't say that you know a three-year-old four-year-old seven-year ten-year-old is too young to get this kind of therapy and be pushed into this direction meanwhile her own words dr levine said and i quote transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field with robust research and standards of care that have been developed. If, if it's so complex, how can a three-year-old understand it? How can a 10-year-old understand it? I probably don't even understand it. And you're going to allow a child, push a child into this type of decision? This person's insane. Should never, should never even be up for this job. If they can't even if they can't even acknowledge something as simple as that, like, look, you know, we, we don't even let kids drive until at least they're 16 and they take tests and they 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 take an exam and all this stuff. A lot of the problem here is that we don't the left has made it so that we don't look at this issue as a public health issue. We look at it through the prism of the culture war. If we looked at it more as a public health issue than through the prism of the culture war issue. Because every person should be able to live however they want to live. But it shouldn't be at the expense and trampling over the rights of other people. Especially children. And it seems that, yes, and all of these transgender policies from what I could tell, I mean, is, are trampling over women's rights like never before. No? Yeah, easily. I mean, you see it all the time, especially with this, this push to have them, you know, oh, it's, it's okay for a boy to say he's a girl and then, then play a sport where he will completely dominate. That's okay. Go ahead. 
That's I mean, fine. It's, yeah, it's going to ruin women's sports. I mean, what about when a what about when a bo- biological boy who's fully pubescent, 15, 16, 17, decides he wants to play soccer? And he does a sliding tackle and obliterates the 113-pound girl who's got, you know, loves to play with her friends and have fun in high school and, he, and takes her out and destroys her knees. I mean, this is where we're going with this. I mean, what, I mean forget about the, co- well, the, the college part is horrible unto itself. These college scholarships are going to be ruined for these girls who work their heart out. What about when the injuries come? What about when the physical contact comes? And what about when a boy says, I want to play basketball against the girls and obliterates them? I saw someone tweet. If your if your son told you that he was Superman, would you let him go up on the roof and jump? Just because you're saying you, I, I mean, it's crazy. Common sense is dead. I will jump into the uh, press briefing room in a little crazy town when we get back. from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. So a couple things I want to get to. One I didn't get to yesterday. Cut 22. Uh, this is on immigration at the border. Jen Psaki, the uh, P. Psaki, the P is silent in the briefing room. Roll that. Thank you, Jen. We spoke yesterday about immigration and this facility, HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas for migrant children. And you said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers is there a better description is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages what is the the white house's description of this facility well let me let me give a broader description of what's happening here we have a number of unaccompanied minors children who are coming into the country without their families what we are not doing what the last administration did was separate those kids Rip them from the arms of their parents at the border. We are not doing that. That is immoral, and that is not the approach of this administration. I was just going to say, stop it for a second. She just said the situation here is we have kids coming into the country without their parents. She then follows it up with a by lying and saying we're separating the kids from their parents. Go back to the beginning of that. Let's just make sure we're not wrong. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. We spoke yesterday about immigration and this facility, HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, for migrant children. And you said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the the White House's description of this facility? Well, let let me give a broader description of what's happening here. We have a number of unaccompanied minors, children who are coming into the country without their families. What we are not doing, what the last administration did, was separate those kids, rip them from the arms of their parents at the border. We are not doing that. Well, that is immoral, up. and that is not the approach of this administration. Well, what did they do? Leave These them at kids, the border? We have a couple of options. We can send them back home and do a dangerous journey back. We are not doing that either. That is also putting them at risk. We can quickly transfer them from CBP to these HHS-run facilities. That's one option. Or we can put them with families and sponsors without any vetting. 
there were some problems that that, that that process ran into as well. We've chosen the middle option. And these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities and if we were to abide by COVID protocols. That's the process and the step. This facility in Texas, which has been reopened, uh, has been revamped, has been, uh, there are teachers, there is medical facilities, and our objective is to move them, move these kids quickly from there to vetted, sponsored families, uh, and to places where they can safely be. This is a difficult situation. It's a difficult choice. That's the choice we've made. So just one step back from that, we've been talking to people down at the border who say that right now DHS and the Border Patrol are using the same kind of facilities now that they did during the Trump administration and that there's a facility right now, it's in Donna, Texas instead of McAllen, Texas, but it's tents and chain link fence around it. And so- A CBP facility before they're transferred to the HHS facility, is that what you're referring to? Yes, and the, the issue would be that just in the last couple days, they had hundreds of kids that they were holding for over 72 hours, which is the legal limit to keep somebody in a temporary facility. So I'm just curious why well, let's, let's be clear, though, because I know you want to be clear with the public yes. about the differences. The CBP facilities, which you're right, the objective is to, is to move kids, unaccompanied minors, as quickly as possible, under 72 hours, to these HHS-sponsored facilities, which is the one where we've been referring to in Texas. They are two different things. There has been some, there were some delays last week because of weather and because some of these facilities to safely move these kids to did not have power and were not in a place where they could, they had the capacity to take in these kids and do it safely. That is not our objective. That is not our goal. So some unfortunately did stay four days, five days or longer, but the objective is to move them as quickly as possible to the HHS sponsored facilities. Has the White House seen the comment from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who, uh, speaking about that HHS facility in Carrizo Springs said, this is not okay, never has been okay, never will be okay, no matter the administration or party. Well, I think the difficulty is, I haven't seen the full context of the quote or interview of the, of the tweet uh, that, was, that she shared, but I would say the difficulty is what I, outlined early, what I outlined earlier. We have kids coming across the border. It is heartbreaking. Uh, I think we all as human beings are heartbroken, as parents, as mothers, as fathers too. Uh, we only have a couple of choices. What we are not doing is dividing these kids and separating from their parents at the border, which what the last administration did, and why President Biden, or then-candidate Biden, and then-candidate Harris were outspoken at the time about these kids being pulled from their parents. These lies are so what we are doing is working as quickly as possible to process these kids into these HHS facilities, which have been revamped, which have medical and educational services available, so that we can then transfer them to families. That's well, what our and so if there is this big difference, would the administration support if it could be done but safely because of COVID and with privacy concerns for the children in mind, would the administration support letting reporters in and press in to see what the difference is? I think you'd have to talk to the Department of Homeland Security about that. There are obviously safety protocols about that, privacy concerns, but I certainly encourage you to reach out about that. Mm -hmm. What a joke. <laughs> a lot of doublespeak. Yeah. A lot of doublespeak. A little different when you're, um, when you're uh, in the hot seat. Just a little different. Well, this continued today, Gio tells me.
Um, let's hear. Okay, I want to ask you about the uptick in migrants at the border. Um, some members of the Democratic Party are displeased with the way the administration is handling children who are being held at the border. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez tweeted this, quote, this is not okay, never has been okay, never will be okay, no matter the administration or party. Is this a failure on the part of this administration? Well, first, I can't speak to what this is that is being referred to. In these detention facilities. Well, that's not what's happening. Uh, and, you know, we will be doing some briefings, of course, with members of Congress. But what is happening now is there are children uh, fleeing prosecution, fleeing uh, threats in their own countries, traveling on their own, unaccompanied to the border. And our focus is on approaching this from the view of humanity and from and with safety in mind. And so the steps that we have taken is uh, they are, uh, of course, processed as quickly as possible, ideally with a maximum of three days through CBP. Then they are transferred to facilities overseen by HHS. We had to open, reopen a new facility uh, that had previously been closed because of COVID protocols. Because previously, because we can't have kids in beds next to each other, we need space appropriate. It's been revamped. There are there's educational services there. There are uh, there are health services and medical services. But our objective is Don't to move love, them as stop quickly. Don't you love stop it for a second? First of all, first of all, I can't take it anymore. I want to. I do want to hear the estimates. But do you notice how she tries to make it sound so righteous? Yeah. So righteous. Meanwhile, Kirsten Welker's question, of course, is the key word in there is uptick. Well, why is there an uptick at the border? Why wasn't this happening at the end of the Trump administration? Why? Why does these facilities have to now be reopened because there's this overflow at the border? Why are we seeing these reports of people who live on the border talking about people walking through their backyard, having to call border security, having to call the local police departments? Why? While she sits there and tries to pontificate and make it all sound like, oh, there's educational services, don't you know? And make it sound all righteous because they try to blur the line between citizen and non-citizen. Somehow non-citizens are more righteous than you are. With this nonsense that she's spewing. The point is, the simple question would be, why do you have to re... Oh, it's, co- it's always COVID. Everything their excuse is, it's because it's COVID. It's no, it's not that there's just an uptick at the border. I showed you the, the CNN interview, the Biden's first day. Well, now we have someone in, we know, we're just, uh, come on. Everybody push on up north. You know, did you see the story that's related to this with ICE and Operation Talon? Have you seen that? No. So Operation Talon was suspended late last month uh, after being operational for just a few weeks with the Trump administration head left the White House, right? Um, This was an operation that was doing a great job corralling sex traffickers at the border with the ICE program. That was suspended. And now uh, the Missouri Attorney General, uh, Eric Schmidt, has has urged Biden to reinstate it because it's saying essentially that America is now a sanctuary for sexual predators. If you Google this story, which apparently is true, You'll see the first thing in Google comes up, Snopes, false, PolitiFact, false. But when you look at the attorney general's request to reinstate the the program, it's more BS. I mean, this is just another example of a successful program taking down human traffickers to be suspended at the border as well. I mean, it's pretty crazy, like, 
I, I don't understand how you could stop that. I mean, is it because it was successful and they don't want anything Trump did that was good to continue? I, I'm confused there as well. Yeah, a lot of people were confused about that one because basically what you're saying is that uh, the Biden administration is is pro uh, is pro child trafficking. Because, I mean, they just they just basically gave up at the border yeah. and said, yeah, come right. on in, no matter what you're doing. What's going on here? Like, so I'm I don't understand like this, the, the BS that we're hearing and the way it was Obama did some crazy stuff with those cages. Nothing was said. Trump comes in automatic racist, right? And he wants to fight MS-13 and, and illegal entries. The, the endless lies are almost they're nauseating. It's really exhausting. Especially, especially when, you know, the, oh, the, the facility's only for 72 hours. And why do you need educational services for 72 hours? They're not going to be long enough. They're not going to be there long enough to, to learn anything. Let's, um, I hear she gets pretty defensive here. Let's hear the rest of this. Go ahead, G can to families that have been vetted and to, of course, reunite kids with their How families. How do you respond to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, though, who says she sees these images and it's not okay, from her perspective? Well, look, uh, we will work, of course, with Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez on a range of issues, and we look forward to doing that. What I'm conveying from here is what the actual circumstances on the ground and uh, the tough choice that we have had to make. There are only a couple of options here. So either we send kids back to a very dangerous journey back to their countries, that's not a good option. I don't think anyone would support that option. We send them to families that have not been vetted. We've seen challenges with that in the past where kids have then been trafficked. That is not a good option in our view. Our best option in our view is to get these kids processed through HHS facilities where there are COVID protocols in place, where they are safe, where they can have access to educational and medical care. There are, no, there are very few good options here, and we chose the one we thought was best. I wonder if she has a number every year that makes that not a good option either of just basically, I mean, what is she saying is the, the option we choose is just to let everybody in. No. Yeah. And, and they're only talking about the kids right now. They're not talking about everybody else. So you can imagine what that number and what the, uh, the stress on the system is, is you know, is going to be and what it's like. The real truth of it is that they have no plan to deal with this. They have no plan to deal with it. They see their voting base is what they see. Yep. cuts up these great crazy towns and he gives them names here on my sheet that I have in front of me and sometimes I wonder why he names them the way he does so this is um, this one's entitled please send help 
I can't watch her anymore. <laughs> and I asked Gio why he called it that one. And he's like, he said, no, that's my message to you. <laughs> well, he sent help. I can't do this anymore. And I can't blame him. So, all right, let's see what he came up with. Crazy Town, roll it, G. tell you masks are a little tricky with earrings on so just bear with me here okay we've been here um, five weeks just have a couple of items at the top hold my hoops okay learn my lesson on earrings all right um he, he will continue he will encourage people to continue wearing a mask that we um we uh, hit that point the hit the 50 millionth shot i don't have an update uh, uh and uh, i'll have to follow up on more specifics on it that is certainly something the president's committed to uh, i don't have an update on it but i can venture to get one for you. you now as you know uh, and but not everybody knows. Uh, well, as you know, um, the SEC had uh, had been uh, had had oversight has oversight, I should say, and certainly has been re uh, watching it closely, monitoring closely. The Treasury Secretary also convened a meeting just a few weeks ago, but I would certainly send you to them on what their plans are for monitoring engagement. Do you want their number? I, I would send you directly to them uh, to no give any update on uh, their progress and how they're monitoring it. Uh, review by the. I, I'd encourage you to reach out to the leadership of the Secret Service uh, to get a further comment on it. I can't. Uh, I'm happy to try, follow up on it uh, for you. We're not looking to former President Trump uh, or any of his advisors as a model for how we're approaching immigration. In fact, yeah. uh, we're no, in the circumstance yeah. we're in yeah. because uh, not only was their approach inhumane, it was ineffective. I'm not actually familiar with that meeting. Do you know who is with? Gina uh, McCarthy and some of the airline company CEOs. I'd have to look back into it. I don't have any more details on that meeting. I'm happy sure. to. Um, we are not using uh, the past uh, management as our guide. And uh, the uh, we have the, the Secretary of Homeland Security is, of course, overseeing uh, in coordination with the uh, Health and Human, uh, Health and Homeland, sorry, HHS Secretary. It's a mouthful, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure that um, engagement with China and uh, the bar and the uh, we expect to be set um, uh, would be part of those many of those discussions. Uh, in terms of the minimum wage, you know, we're still waiting uh, for the uh, conclusion of the uh, parliamentarian's um, uh, uh, view on whether or not the raise in the minimum wage should be included, can be included, I should say, in the American Rescue Plan. Well, we have more than 60 days left <laughs> until we hit 100 days. Uh, the president will be um, uh, certainly speaking, uh, uh, you know, about uh, COVID what? and addressing the pandemic. <laughs> Say it out. <laughs> oh, Carol, honestly, you watch the uh, reporters in that room, and it reminds me of the movie Airplane when everyone's killing themselves. When, yeah. when the guy's telling his story of his life, <laughs> and the woman's hanging herself. <laughs> you know, pouring gasoline on her head. Yeah, Robert Hayes. <laughs> Robert and Hayes. you wonder yeah. why I had to send a cry for help. <laughs> I see why you titled it that. I, it, it really is amazing to hear her say, well, we're not going to use the prior... No, 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 no. Why put the country, why the, putting the country first, putting the people, the citizens of the country first is somehow is inhumane and, and, and almost thought of as, can you believe this? What they were doing, want people to come in legally, which we do about a million, a million and a half people a year. That's not nearly enough. Again, somehow 
if you cross the border illegally into this country, you're, you're somehow more righteous and more um, than the actual people who are trying to come here legally and assimilate and, be, and become part of the country and actually love the country. Come here because you see a better future. Because you want to add something. Because you want to assimilate to American life, to freedom, to liberty, to individualism, to capitalism. They frame it as somehow doing that and wanting people to aspire to do that is somehow un-American or worse. Well, we would now look at the last administration and do it. They... I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, again, I ask you, is that the goal? Is that the goal to disenfranchise anyone from thinking, well, it can be better? Uh, you know what? You just come here. We'll just give you some stuff. Here, here's, a, here's a card. You can go buy groceries. And that's all you got to do. Don't try to do anything. Don't aspire for anything. Just we'll, we'll take care of it. Let the government do it for you. Are they just trying to break people like that? I yeah, know. I think so. Right? They're literally just trying to demoralize everyone. Think about how demoralizing it is. You can't go to the news and actually believe a word that's said. You Not anymore. I'm telling you, I, I think that's the greatest gift of the last four years is the light that was shined on all of this. Because now we can see it. At least, at least now I can see it a lot more clearly than I used to. Yeah. Uh just, I want to run cut 51, G, before we run out of time. I know we've got the Cuomo clip. Maybe we'll play that tomorrow. But speaking of this $1.9 trillion bill, this Democratic whip leader was on CNN and asked about this bill. Um, roll that. He corrected that. I got to ask you about some other stuff in this bill, because you've got folks like Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, saying it's got to be more narrow. Uh, he talks about um, aid in there for arts programs, peace programs, et cetera. But then specifically, there's something in your state here in New York. There's one and a half million dollars of funding toward the international bridge between New York and Canada, a bridge. And then in, in, right around San Francisco in the Bay Area, there's a hundred million dollars to fund the uh, San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit or BART. Um, I mean, Steve Scalise, your Republican colleague, said, who said a subway to Silicon Valley has anything to do with COVID? Are you comfortable with those in here? Look, a lot of people will, will get into this got you attitude about this provision, this I'm budget. I'm not gotcha. Right? It's just, it's what, it's there. I, I, it's like right here. I actually no, went back it. and read it. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm saying that in any bill that has uh, $1.9 trillion, there will be one line that will probably be somewhat embarrassing, right, Poppy? But I tell so you what, this is the saying it's embarrassing, and that's $101.5 million of taxpayer money. And I'm just saying, are you comfortable with it? The answer is no, I'm not comfortable. I'm never comfortable with it. But I, right. I tell you what I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable with the fact that the 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 past the past initiatives came from the Senate, and we had to adjust to them. This is the first time we have a vision that comes from us, from the House, and it's a robust vision. I think okay. that the American people in the country is hurting, and 1.9 trillion dollars will get us back on the right. Truth. Yeah, 1.9 trillion. We'll get us back, on, and then we'll follow it up with three or four trillion. And hey, everything will be great. Well, listen. What's a hundred million between friends? I mean, if we get a couple things we get embarrassed by, don't worry about it.
100 million, 100 million. Yeah, I'm embarrassed by it. Oh, okay. It's the COVID relief bill, remember. We're now starting to change it. Now it's the whatever bill. The American Rescue Bill, whatever it's called. How is gold and silver not 10 times higher? A hundred, just a hundred million. Again, if it doesn't, if these bills don't have, if they have B's in front of them for billions, we don't even have to discuss it. What's the point of just a hundred million? You're not even in the major leagues unless you have a T in front of it. You're wasting our time. B? Come on. Who wants to spend billions when you can spend trillions? It's not funny. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines taking care of us. Thanks to Paul. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Paul's off tomorrow night. I might be in if it's okay with you. Oh, it's fine, of course. Um, We will see you then. Back with you in 22. We'll have a lot to do. We'll do some... We'll do some viewer emails tomorrow night. We'll go through a lot of them. We will, uh, <laughs> we'll see you then. Please, what? <laughs>